welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. My name is Jason. I'm a sexaholic, and and I'm your leader uh, for this meeting. Would you please uh, join me in the serenity prayer? God. God. To accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Okay, it says I will, I will start the sharing, but I'm not going to start the sharing. Vanita's going to start the sharing. And our topic today uh, for this meeting is what is true sobriety? Can I be sober without progressive victory over lust? Okay. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Vinita. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Vinita. And uh, uh, by the grace of God and uh, the miracle of this program, I've been sober for three years and uh, three months. Uh, I'm really grateful to be here this morning. This is my first international. Uh, this is my first conference, international conference I'm attending, and it's just an awesome experience. It's just just fantastic to be with so many uh, so many of my brothers here. Um, uh, I wanted to share a little bit about uh, my experience with the sobriety defi- definition and what I think, uh, you know, what I think uh, 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 true sobriety is all about. Um, when I came into this program, um, sobriety was, you know, I had a clear-cut definition of sobriety, and it's in our sobriety definition. I'm married, uh, so for me, the sobriety definition was no sex with self or anyone other than spouse. Uh, and that was a pretty clear-cut definition, physical, you know, no physical acting out, essentially. For people who are not married in the program, it's no sex at all. And uh, uh, and I think that was the appropriate definition for me when I came into uh, into SA. Um, that's exactly where I wanted to be, because that essentially is step one for me. It's admission to of, of my complete powerlessness uh, over this disease, which had, which had absolutely uh, wrecked havoc in my life. Um, uh, I came into this program over four years ago, um, uh, into recovery. I came into SA around three and a half years ago. And, uh, uh, this thing was just absolutely killing me. Uh, I was uh, completely powerless over it. I was going down a path that I, I, I never thought I would any, be anywhere close to. I was acting out, uh, uh I was married then, uh, and I was full of guilt, shame, and remorse, uh, I also had, uh, I was suicidal. Uh, my life was completely out of control. Uh, I came very close to just losing it all. Really, really close. And I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful, uh, to a therapist who told me to go and join the 12 step program. He, because, uh, he will, he understood exactly what my problem was. Um, when I came into this program, um, I first went into a, a, a sister or brother organization where the sobriety definition was uh, not clearly defined. And I had a I had a hard time with that. I couldn't stay sober for a year uh, when I got into recovery. Uh, you know, I acted out uh, because there was there were no boundaries, and it was really confusing to me as to what exactly sobriety meant. Uh, 
um you know masturbation was okay um um you know watching porn was okay but but you know it was physical contact with the way i defined it it was physical contact with uh, anyone other than my spouse uh, self was okay and that just didn't work for me uh for some reason god uh, decided that you know i had been through enough pain so you know i found a job in san diego and i moved there and i found essay and for that i'm truly uh, truly grateful uh because since i've been in essay uh i don't know why but i've been sober um uh and i tell you you know it's been technical sobriety for 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 a big part of that and i want to get into that a little bit later um um so once i came into essay and the definition of sobriety at the basic at the very basic level at the step one level uh, no physical acting out uh, was a good you know was a good start for me it laid the necessary foundation for me to start working the rest of the program uh you know i always think of the 12 step program as taking me from you know more apparent and grosser truths to subtler and subtler truths um uh this was like that it was you know i am a sex addict was a very very basic truth for me <laughs> and then i had to go into this whole area of discovery of what i was all about um the definition of sobriety also includes progressive victory over lust and you know i somehow forgot that when i got into this program initially um for me uh, the physical aspects of acting out were the most important i used to struggle with not physically acting out um uh i had no clue that, i mean i just i i used to read the definition every day and you know going to meetings or in the book but i never could understand what progressive victory over lust meant you know that aspect of lust in that in that line just did not come to me it was the struggle with physically just you know using my will power to not act out uh somewhere along the line you know i i found out the the problem was not the sex but was lust and that's why progressive victory over lust was uh, so important uh and uh, for me lust was essentially uh you know lust was my my mind uh having having this thought that acting out was you know having acting out was okay it used to be the fantasy and then i used to have what the alcoholics call the craving uh you know the allergy and uh, that is to set up more fantasy and it has to go down the spiral till i has to you know literally have to physically uh use my will power to not act out or you know by going to meetings and talking or to other people or whatever but there was li- very little surrender in that um 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 so so once i realized that uh, lust was a driving force behind my addiction um it was really important for me to uh, to measure my recovery in terms of progressive victory over lust and that's been uh, that's been a signpost a guidepost for me as i go along this path um i can tell you that uh, there has been a lot of victory over lust uh, in uh, in in my in my uh, you know in my uh, in my recovery but there is still areas in my recovery that uh, lust is uh, lust is hiding and i can i'll i'll talk to you a little bit about that later um i think this is uh, the reason this program was so difficult for me was that unlike an alcoholic who can go out and drink uh you know there's a physical you know he has to drink and get a substance from outside within 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 the alcoholic to act out uh i could act out in my mind just by lusting um uh and i and and i did not realize 
that that you know that it was the act of lusting in my mind that was quote unquote acting out for me uh for a long time in this program and i can admit you uh, to you that i have taken a lot of liberties with that uh, with that uh, with that lusting side of, of of the sobriety definition um uh, so for me uh, for me i think uh, uh, you know without progressive victory over lust and and it comes in many, many ways it's just beautiful though you know some of the ways that i have had progressive victory i don't look as much anymore you know i can i can look away uh in fact now even i can look without lusting it's just phenomenal i mean you know just a couple of uh, weekends ago uh i was in a shopping mall where i have you know always had a lot of women dressed up provocatively moving around and it's crowded and the mind is running it's busy and uh, there is the energy going in my you know the 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 craving on my on my body i can feel it all over uh you know the my my mind is going out drawing the picture in and it happened so instantaneously that i didn't even know that that was what was going on and i was drinking and there was this physical allergy all the time over all over my body and this time i i'm in the mall i'm sitting there with my two beautiful children and uh, i'm looking around and suddenly i realized i'm not lusting anymore and that was just a phenomenal feeling to have i mean just to be free of lust uh you know i said wow this is just incredible this is something that this, i'm normal this is how normal people feel i know i'm normal <laughs> i'm this is how normal people feel uh this is what it's all about uh this is what i wanted and the and the and the and the the, the happiness and the uh, the feeling of oneness with my, my higher power that i had at that moment was uh, was was indescribable it was just one one great feeling uh in my marriage um uh, i had tremendous problems with uh, with lust in my marriage uh, um i you know that was the area where i could easily uh easily hide my my uh, be technically sober and hide my you know hide uh, hide hide in my marriage bed um i went through some periods of abstinence uh, uh which helped a little bit but recently i don't know what's going on but suddenly there is no lust in my marriage i can truly say that you know when i have sex with my wife there is no there's very very limited craving it's not always there i'm not perfect in that area still uh once in a while uh, my mind goes crazy and that's usually because you know i'm not in touch with my feelings of uh, something is going on inside me that i need to uh, that i need to look at but uh uh again that beautiful experience of oneness and true union with my with my wife i have been able to experience so that's what i wanted to uh, you know share about progressive victory over lust finally just uh, just quickly i think i'm almost running out of time here uh i wanted to share about true sobriety um and this is an area of my life that uh, that i have uh, i have to do a lot of work in i have to do a lot of work in uh and uh, you know a couple of weeks ago uh i knew i was going to come to the conference and uh, uh i asked neil uh, neil what is the topic for this conference he said it's uh, something like to sobriety or uh, yeah, it is to sobriety and uh, i said wow that's exactly where i want to be uh, <laughs> and uh, um, um, uh, this is an area where you know there is still i'm still holding on i'm holding on to all ideas i'm uh, Uh, I have progressive victory I have had the promises in my life but still I don't have the level of happiness and peace that I see in some of the other people who have been 
uh, in this program for a lot, have been in this program who are, and who have truly surrendered. I just don't have that. And I crave for that now. You know, I, I feel like I'm ready to completely surrender. And that's, that's my mission for this weekend. Um, and what is preventing me? I was thinking last night, what is going on here? And it's this whole thing about my ego. You know, I still feel that I want to control it. May not be lust anymore, but I want to control my life. I want to be me still. And un- until I'm, I'm, you know, I have me in between me and God, there is, there is not going to be, there is not going to be true, true, true sobriety for me. And true sobriety for me means, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's embodied in this in step eleven in some ways. Uh, you know, a conscious contact with God at every moment of my living, uh, a conscious contact when I'm in touch with Him. Uh, every time I talk, every time I do any actions, uh, you know, it comes from being in, within that conscious contact with God. Um, it doesn't come out of myself because I know myself is full of all kinds of crazy ideas. Uh, and I, when, when I go to myself, I'm, I'm in deep trouble. And I'm still struggling with that a lot. Um, and the other area that, that, that true sobriety really is embodied in the second part of step 11, which is, which is, uh, knowledge of thy will. And the power to carry that out. Um, that is really, really important to me. And what does that mean to me today? Uh, knowledge of thy will and the power to carry that out. Knowledge of thy will is everything that's going on around me. Uh, you know, everything outside me. And the power to carry that out is the strength, the fortitude or the knowledge to accept that. To accept that. Uh, you know, just accept everything around me as God-given. As exactly how it should be at that moment of time. Um, and that uh, happens once in a while it goes away, it comes back but there's a struggle, I'm still trying to hold on I'm still trying to hold on I'm, I'm not giving up I still think that I can I can control my life I still have this ego thing, pride uh, um, whatever you, you know you might call it but uh, that's, that's, that's something that I'm really working on and uh, that's, uh, that's going to be really important as I, as I continue to work in this program so thank you very much for listening, and uh, I think I've run out of time, and I'll hand over the mic to Jason. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> 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 Hi, I'm Rich. I'm a Boston sexaholic. Uh, the idea of true sobriety and versus lust is a big issue for me. Um, I've been in the program about six years, and I went through what a lot of people go through the first few months, kind of ups and downs. It took me actually ten months to finally get some good sobriety going. Uh, I'd go three and lose it, and then I'd go two months and lose it. and I got to that point where I was only going five days and losing it, and so I had to realize, I realized that there was something really wrong with that, and then I finally had made that change to and that commitment to buy into the program for what it is and start getting physically sober. And it wasn't, once I got past the 90-day point, it was kind of a cruise for me. I thought, now this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. So physical sobriety was not a real, real problem for me. Um, I came into the program to get sober from, you know, chronic masturbation and from cross-dressing. And that was, these are the items that were uh, first in my mind. And I was able to do that. Uh, I, I got the sobriety from masturbation, you know, pretty easily. And then, uh, after about a year, uh, or in that first year, I, I was still kind of 
toying a little bit with the cross-dressing thing, and I lost my sobriety in one little slip over that, so I started again all over again. So, And then I went on to the sobriety with that as well. And In my third year uh, of sobriety, and really my fourth year of sobriety from masturbation, I, I was starting to realize why it was coming so easily for me is because I was relying more and more on the lust to get me by. And <laughs> I didn't realize that how much I was relying on that until I started taking little looks. I was going to what you call, what I would call lust rituals. And I'd, I'd drive up to the porn shop and park there. Maybe I'd catch a glimpse of the door opening up so I could see the videos sitting on the rack. Or <laughs> um, I'd drive by a transvestite bar and wait till it closed to see the people walking out. But hey, I'm physically sober. Um, I'd get on the internet. I have a I'm on a, I have integrity online as a block in my, on my internet, so. And pornography was never a real bad issue for me. It was the, the softer porn, which a lot of people in the program have a bigger problem with anyway. You know, the miniskirts, the, you know, that sort of thing. The, the lingerie. And when I first got on integrity online, it wasn't real good at first, and they weren't right up to, to date on things, and I'd stumble across sites that, uh, were triggery for me, and so I'd report them, and, and within a day or two, they'd be blonde. And so, suddenly, I assigned myself the, I have a new job. <laughs> I could not be the, the internet police. <laughs> and, uh, but I was physically sober. You know? <laughs> so, I got to the point where um, I started actually really getting into this, and, you know, every three, four days, I'd have to go on the internet and do my police work, you know. Ah, there's a site right there. I'll call it in tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow would come, I better check that site out, make sure it wasn't, oh, there it is, okay, I'll call it in now. I'd go back a second time, you know, and, uh, you know, and what was happening was, suddenly I realized, after, you know, here I am, three in the morning, what's my wife thinking? You know, I'm, I was drunk. I was totally drunk on lust. And that's what was keeping me physically sober. And it was really painful. And and I was doing all sorts of these lust rituals, like I mentioned, and getting totally blasted on, on lust to the point where I'd have a hangover the next day. And so I had to make I had to make a move of some sort. I you know, and I, I tried stopping. I tried all different sorts of things. But what I was real, realizing was I was missing the whole thing that got me physically sober in the first place, and that was the true surrender. I can remember when it finally started working on the physical side. I was in it. I was in my old stomping ground, and I was about four or five months sober, and I was this close to acting out, and I was just about to make that move. I was about to break in, commit a burglary, just to get some clothing items, and and Suddenly, you know, I just kind of flipped out. I got in my car and started driving, and I said, where's the closest meeting? <laughs> and <laughs> I think Chino was the closest meeting, and I was going to be 30 minutes late, but I just drove, and I just prayed the whole way. And halfway there, you know, it was weird. Like a car was driving by with a family in it, and I looked at the family, and I came back to myself, and suddenly the the desire to act out was gone, and uh, I was 
totally at ease. And I made it to that meeting about 20 minutes late, and I was fine after that. I never physically acted out. And, and I realized that that surrender was where it was at. And I forgot about that. And I had to start applying that now to my lust. And it wasn't easy to do at first. But, um, and I've had some relapses. I go back into the getting drunk on lust thing. And so what I did was I got my third year physical chip this summer. And I said, you know, for me, I have to make a change. Because I had done so many things on the lust end that I just didn't feel sober anymore. So I, I changed my sobriety date. Now my sobriety date, I'm celebrating six months this, this weekend of really victory over lust because it's a whole different approach for me. And it's, it's made a big difference. Um, and still, I, I mean, I'm not perfect. That doesn't mean I haven't lusted. What happens is I kind of have, I kind of go through a, through a, a motion of what happens. It, and it depends, really depends totally on where I am with my higher power. I mean, if I start my morning with devotions, uh, I do pretty good throughout the day. If, uh, if I see something, it, it just, a, it could be a look and it goes nowhere from there. Uh, other days, if, if I don't have that connection right and if I'm, uh, and if something's happening with me over here, you know, on the outside, something that's bugging me or something I've done that I didn't realize I did, you know, I haven't done a four-step on, or I haven't worked the steps on. Period. I'll notice I'm a little more triggery. So that look can suddenly become a fantasy. Uh, but I still am at the awareness level where the minute I see that happening, I can actually surrender it before it actually becomes lust. And to me, there's actually a, a stage level there. In other words. It's one thing to fantasize about it. It's another thing to expose your soul to it. And I can actually feel my soul getting exposed to it, which a lot of you, I see a lot of nodding heads because you go through the same thing. And when once my soul is exposed to it, now I'm into, into a lust situation. And I have a choice now to either get drunk on that lust or to still surrender it. And and that's kind of where I'm at today. I, um, I don't get drunk on lust. I haven't gotten drunk on lust. I'm sober from getting drunk on lust. And that's what I call my progressive victory over lust. That's what my definition of it is. And because when I get actually to the point where I'm in a lust situation, I can do what I did with the physical, and that's to go to a complete surrender. And I use all sorts of techniques. Um, I believe it was uh, the late Jesse who wrote that long thing, an essay about what he used to do. And he just re- recite the Lord's Prayer. And I tried that, and that works. And Usually what happens is if I'm really in the situation where the lust is going to it just keeps bothering me, and I have to go into that, or I have to go into that fantasy further. If I just stop and, and, and pray, um, what happens for me usually is it, it takes a little while to dissipate, but if I really concentrate on it, or if I pick up some literature and read it, um, within it usually only lasts about four or five minutes. And if I get over that hump, I'm cool after that. And suddenly I'll go back and revisit that fantasy and see if it's still a trigger for me, and it's not. And I have complete joy at that point because I've been delivered from it. And it's, that process is actually, actually works. But if, if I don't have my connection down, if I'm not working the 12 steps, okay, then consequently what happens is I'm a lot more exposed, leaving myself exposed. And when that fantasy comes along, I may not even know it's a fantasy. My awareness level totally drops if I don't have my connection with my higher power good that day or if I'm letting those outside things 
or l- jumping back into my old character defects. If I'm doing any of that, I'm setting myself up for uh, a low awareness level. In other words, I'll all of a sudden be in lust, and what the heck, how'd that happen? And then realizing it a little late, but better than late than never, then surrender it. And Roy's talked about that, where you just get blindsided some days. You didn't even know where it came from. You, know, you might be having a lot of serenity, and all of a sudden, bingo, you're... you're find yourself wanting to lust. And it you know, all, all boils back down to you know, where I am and if I'm jumping back into my character defects or not and trying to put on the old self and, and trying to do those things I used to do that leave me with some guilt or leave me with some bad feelings that I don't even know about. Uh, that What else am I going to do but fantasize or lust to escape because that's what I've done for 35 years. So basically, um, it's been... A long haul for me, but I feel good today. I feel I have a handle on where I can go with this and where I can't go with it. In other words, um, the, you know, I, I was hiding behind my physical sobriety badge, and basically, uh, it feels good to come clean with that because now I'm, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not perfect. I'm not, it's not the same at this point. Don't lust, but at this point, I don't get drunk on lust, and I don't get to the point where I'm out of control. Because uh, that, of course, would lead to acting out. So, at any rate, um, to get back to our subject, I mean, I, to me, you know, I can't really consider myself sober if I'm being a lost drunk. I really have to make that connection. I don't feel the serenity. I, I didn't feel the uh, the joy that you can really experience in this program uh, if you're truly surrendering and giving up the lust. Because I, what I come to realize through this program is I don't have the lust to get by. Um, which is great, <laughs> and and really, it's it's just by using some of those techniques, we can we can turn around and, and stay on that right level with our higher power, and not even have to go there. And that's where the serenity really comes in. I've had times of great serenity, and uh, he's talking about his wife. My wife and I have a great relationship. I mean, there's absolutely no real lust in our relationship. And if I'm having a triggery week because I'm not connected. And I'm not doing my, my 12 step. I mean, she knows it. And I know. And we just abstain from sex. Because it's, otherwise it's not going to be true union. And so it's taken us years to get to that point. But, I mean, our marriage is saved because of it. And, you know, we really love each other more than we ever have. We have a very tight connection. And, uh, and I blame the program for that. <laughs> and consequently it's, uh, it's, it's been great because of that. And, and I feel a lot freer because I don't have to lust to get by anymore. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Jason. I'm a, I believe I'm a real sexaholic. I really do. I've been uh, sexually sober since July 19th of 1996. Um, but I feel that I'm a real sexaholic because um, there's no reason good enough to make me stop doing what I'm doing. Because mm-hmm. I could have quit for the sake of my family, but I just couldn't quit. And I could have quit for the sake of myself, but I just couldn't quit. And I didn't have any reason that was strong enough. And in the AA Big Book, it says that the moderate drinker 
when given just even a little reason, can quit and say, yeah, that's fine, I can live without that. The problem drinker can say, yeah, this is really wrecking my life. I'll go into rehab, but I'll quit, and I don't need a program. I might go to some AA for a little while, but I'm going to just quit because I have a good enough reason. I have an obsession of the mind that simply does not respond to reason. And it holds me captive. And as long as that obsession is operative, I'm not sober. Period. And like everybody else is saying today, that means that I go up and down in waves of how relatively sober I am right now. At different times of the day, I'm probably more sober than other times. But it says in here, I'm going to read something that Patrick read last night. Now, he didn't read it. He's got it memorized. But I have to read it. If I can find it here. It may not be in the little copy. I don't know. I'm sure it is. AA's 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession. It doesn't say anything about Jason expelling an obsession. Because if I would have, I, if I could have, I would have. To drink, expel the obsession to drink, and enable the enjoyer, the sufferer, to become happily and usefully whole. Uh, to me, these are just wonderful words because uh, I was hardly happy when I was acting out. And I was absolutely useless to everybody. I don't think there was a person on the planet that I was of any real use to. And uh, it, it's really uh, interesting to me that that we have this dilemma here that I don't think that the AAs have. I don't know. And that is, uh, we call it technical sobriety. I, I, I don't know, to me that's like I'm on a, a life support system. I'm technically alive. You know, I got, the brain waves are going, it's not flatlined yet. You know, and <laughs> a great teacher years ago said, I come to bring life and life more abundantly. I want life. I'm dead. I'm a dead man. As a sex addict, I'm a dead man. I... I, I was at the point when I came in this program where I was about to lose my family. I believe I would have become a gutter-level drunk with uh, drugs, alcohol, and, and sexaholism and would have died a really crappy death. But what bothers me more than even that death is just the realization that I wouldn't, when, when the time was over, I wouldn't have any feeling that I'd lived a life worth living. And I, and I believe that technical sobriety... Uh, is is deadly for me personally because I can't have the peace of the program and I cannot have life and life more abundantly because to me lust is like uh the way I'm I'm starting to understand it and this is certainly changing over over time is that it's uh for me now it's very similar to arsenic I believe arsenic's the thing arsenic's a very interesting poison that it I think it's arsenic it accumulates in the body to a certain point and until it accumulates it doesn't do what it does, which is kill people. But once it accumulates past a certain mass, then the person dies. And I think I'm at the point now where I accumulate bits of lust, like little particles of lust that come into me, little hits. Every hit is toxic. I used to think that that meant that every time I saw a hit, 
that it was toxic to the point it was going to kill me right there. And I'm beginning to feel now that it's more accumulative, that I accumulate a little bit here, just a little speck, and then it, it's in me and it says I want a little bit more and it accumulates a little bit more and it creates a core and then I'm in trouble. And and I have, at that point, I become completely powerless. Even the program isn't functioning in me at that time. And the only thing that can possibly step in is whatever willingness I have and a connection to God. And uh, I was thinking, too, this whole thing of progressive victory over lust. I mean, that's a weird deal. I mean, think about it. What's it say in step one here? It says, who cares to admit complete defeat? It doesn't say who wants victory. It says, who cares to admit complete defeat? And I realize more and more that if I want victory over lust, I'm going to have to get out of the way. Because I'll never have victory over lust. It's a great obsession to control and enjoy lust of every lustaholic. And that's where I'm at uh, as a lustaholic. As, I, uh, as, a, as a practicing lustaholic, that's what I'd like to do. Uh, and in recovery, I find that I can't. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm so dependent upon God for this recovery program because uh, I'm because I, I'm a real sexaholic. I'm just powerless over this thing even now. It's just a one-day reprieve. I had a situation happen about six, seven months ago where uh, my addict decided that I should go into this magazine store, not not an adult bookstore, just a magazine store, where. There might be where I knew there was some pornography, but I wasn't going to go look at that. I was going to go look at other areas of greater interest to me. So I was immediately standing over by the pornography, and I'm thinking, am I going to look at this or not? And it was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then it was like, I better get the hell out of here. And I just, I ran away, and I, I thanked God for keeping me sober that day, but then I got in the car, and circumstances were such that my wife and I were this is around a haircut, and we were in our separate cars, and she had to go somewhere else. And I was driving home, and I, I was already in it. And the fact that I hadn't looked didn't make any difference. I was now craving. I was past obsession. And I had to go to an adult bookstore that was on the way home. And I didn't know how I was going to not do it, and I could not not do it anymore. And I started to pull over to the lane that would make it just possible if I wanted to get over there. And, and as I made that change, suddenly I felt something on my shoulder. And I had forgotten that my dog was in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my God just had the dog go kapoom, right there. I have a golden retriever. He's just like, you're not alone. <laughs> I, to me, that's the essence of the disease for me is I'm alone. There, there's a book on sexualism I think has a title like that, Lonely All the Time. It's not one of our books, but it's certainly an apropos title, Lonely All the Time. The dog just said, you're not alone. And I felt God was like a, a puppet master with his hands in the puppet. Just, I'm here. I'm here for you right now. Yeah, so I am. Um, it's weird. It's a weird deal. I'm um, I'm grateful that I'm sober from acting out. I'm much more grateful that 
I understand that I have to surrender lust all the time that it comes up and that using that arsenic idea that every little, I just can't afford any accumulation of lust in my system anymore. And at the same time, I understand that I can't do it. I can be willing and I have to be willing. And, and that's the other thing I've noticed is that uh, magazines and pornography for me are, are tough. They're, they're really tough. They still are, uh, when I'm in the, when I'm not in fit spiritual condition. And, uh, what I've noticed is that, like, if I'm in a store where they even have just regular magazines like Vons, or, you know, just a, a drugstore, if I just ask God to keep me sober and I can't will myself. See, if, if I will myself, it's worse. If I say, okay, I'm not going to go down that magazine rack. It's like, okay, let's go. That's like anything that I will myself to do in this area, I may as well just be saying, let's just do the opposite of whatever I say. But when I say, God, I'm willing to not go down there. Would you please keep me down the food aisles? I don't need the magazine aisle. That, that, uh, that has yet to not be all I need to do. I just have to, it just really goes back to, that's my way of saying, I'm powerless, I can't, you can, please help me. Please, please help me. And, uh, that's, to me, is what makes this such a, <clears throat> this makes this a program that the ego can never get its hands on. My ego can't figure out how this works. I think everybody here is saying, I don't know how this works, I just know that when I do this stuff, it works. And I think that, in a way, that may be what we're talking about in this weekend, about I think the theme of this weekend is to, that we're here to learn how to surrender at a deeper level. And uh, that is certainly very true for myself. Um, I can't think of anything else I want to say right now. So uh, we're going to go ahead and open up the meeting. Um, here's what I need to read. Now we will begin the sharing portion of this meeting. This is a tape meeting, obviously. So please use the microphone when you share, which means you'll need to come on up here. Um, if you're uncomfortable tape being taped, we just respectfully ask that you participate by listening only. So would anyone like to share their experience on the topic or ask any questions? And thanks for letting me share. I'm uncomfortable with this microphone, but I'm going to share anyway. My name's Howard L. San Diego. Uh, I'm a living example of what happens when you rely on uh, physical, progressive physical uh, freedom from acting out. I've been in the program for mm, three and a quarter years. Uh, at one point, it had accumulated two and three quarter years of uh, technical sobriety. And uh, when my wife and I separated, uh, I realized that the only... The only thing that was keeping me sober was my wife. Um, I know that I I hung on to the idea that uh, my wife would free me from my obsession with lust. Um, the amount of uh, sexual contact we actually had was was not it wasn't very frequent, but just the idea of knowing that you know sooner or later she was going to save me from my obsession uh, was enough to keep me sober. Um, as far as the other areas of uh, surrender and freedom from lust uh, in my life, I, I had none. 
if if my wife was not willing to be affectionate or uh, or sexual with me, uh, my mind would fill in the gaps, and it, it was interesting. I would fantasize about masturbating, um, lying next to her in bed at night. Uh, you know, as far as my spirit and uh, and mind were concerned, I was acting out. Now, I was I was acting out of my mind, and my spirit was acting out. So when my wife left, uh, that was uh, my support system was gone. During that two and three quarter years, um, I I did go through some of the steps, but uh, most important the most important aspect of recovery I, I don't think I ever participated in, and that that was uh, surrender, surrendering my right to lust, surrendering uh, my right to expect affection or sex. And now I struggle on a day-to-day basis. Uh, it's hard for me to go for more than a week or two. And I think that the real problem that uh, that I'm experiencing is I, I, uh, I don't want to surrender that. I don't want to surrender the right to lust. I'm still hoping that someone somewhere is going to come along and, uh, and save me through through physical contact. So um this this little seminar this, this little topic discussion here uh has, has touched me pretty deeply um I know that that without uh without following the, the absolute tenets of the program uh including progressive victory over loss on every level uh I don't I don't stand a chance and uh I'm hoping that the you know the program here uh, the the conference over the weekend will will help get me uh, jump started and and help my willingness a little bit. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, my name's Eric, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic this morning. I uh, I've always been a success-oriented man and drove real hard. Have driven in my life real hard to do all sorts of things. It has been humbling for these 15 months to be an SA and realize that uh, all my success orientation doesn't hack it in trying to fight this obsession. Uh, I was driven to SA 15 months ago after uh, at 4 o'clock in the morning in desperation. After uh, four years of doing nearly everything I could to destroy my life and my career and my marriage and had... Uh, had succeeded in driving my wife away. She had left three days before. And uh, I, I thought at that time that, I, well, I knew that I needed something. And it took me some months to get past the, the anguish and the agony and the hurt of trying not to masturbate physically. And I began to find some joy. And in these 15 months, I have found an absolute change to life for myself. Uh, spiritual existence and a, uh, a happiness in satisfaction in life around me that is absolutely wonderful. And yet, I still struggle with this issue of lust because, uh, because it keeps coming back. And I had, uh, I had built up six months of sobriety last month. And, uh, and this same success orientation really drives me because I, uh, uh, I was, 
in a situation where some business had come back and I was starting to be successful again and it was driving time and I had my hand in several pots and things were beginning to be pressured on time. And then I had a business trip that took me uh, a week-long trip to a couple of different locations. And one of those locations was where one of those women I had met lives. And I knew she was there. Now, I knew I would not have an opportunity to see her, and I felt safe about that. But here I was in a situation where the work pressures were hard on me, and there was this emotional pressure of knowing that I was going to that dangerous place. And I got in the airport on the way, and I stopped to pick up a book to read, and I walked by the magazine rack. And I lingered and looked at things. And I didn't even realize how the stress was feeding the lust at that time. And then I went to my next airport connection, and I had a few minutes, and I, uh, and this time I walked into the newsstand, and I stopped deliberately and lingered over the entire magazine rack. And I wasn't looking at the really bad stuff. I was just looking at the normal self-magazines and all of these ones that have... Why are you doing this? And yet I did it anyway. And uh, And the next leg of my trip... Uh, a few days later, this time I just deliberately went into the store and lingered and lingered. And it was building, building this whole time. And uh, and the result was that a week later when I got back home and had a few moments to myself in that letdown from the return of the trip, well, I didn't quite masturbate. I, uh, but I lost about two hours to completely lost in arousal. And and for four days I tried to convince myself that this wasn't really a sobriety break and that it really didn't count and that it shouldn't count, but uh, but for four days I fought with that and could not convince myself of that and finally had to admit that, yeah, that was. This progressive victory over lust has, has got to be part of this because for me, the lust inevitably leads to doing more. Inevitably. And uh, by the grace of God, maybe uh, maybe I'll be able to go the rest of my life without acting out again. But that's in His hands. All I can deal with is today. Thanks. My name is Jack. I'm a sexaholic. My sobriety date is 21st of October, 98. Uh, on the issue of progressive victory over lust, uh, I came into essay and... Um, I hadn't uh, acted out outside of my marriage for 15 years, but I had, did have a sobriety problem uh, with masturbation. But my biggest problem was was fantasy in my head. And one of, and, and uh, working on the lust was difficult. Uh, masturbation, I uh, it, it seems that went right away when I surrendered. But the lust is a much more difficult and much more insidious thing in my mind. And one of the main issues, which I haven't heard, and that's why I'm, I'm speaking, is um, when I was having relations with my wife, with the fantasy images would come in and replace what I was doing with my wife. And that was, I had to surrender those. I had to learn to surrender every thought that came to my mind as it came to my mind. And... Uh, that was that was that was difficult, and it it kept me separated from my wife, it kept me mentally distant. And I see that uh, over a period of, of two years, 
that I've made some progress on that. I can surrender those thoughts when they come in, and they come in not as as uh, insistently as they did before, but they come into my mind, and I don't want them anymore because I've I've learned that uh, how to be present in, in my wife. I've learned what intimacy is, which I had no concept of before. And uh, surrender, 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 surrender. Everything that comes into my mind because my mind feeds me my addiction. Feeds it to me all the time. And, it, and uh, it's, it's, it's really uh, incredible when I'm looking back how not present I was. I was never present. I was never there. I was always in my mind, in my fantasy world. It was never in the real world. I was addicted to the unreal. The other, uh, the other issue I wanted to speak about is, the one every, everyone speaks about is walking down the mall, down the street, wherever it is, and, uh, and saying a prayer for the person that I, I look at. I do it every time, and now I've, I've reached the point, uh, where I, actually enjoy the opportunity to pray for that person and that's gone and I feel better in, in doing that and that uh, there's some grace or, 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 or some peace in that and I'm, I'm grateful for that um, my name is Bill and I'm a sexaholic and when I first got in the program and started working the steps you know, the thing about lust was I learned that lust is something that just hits me and I'm not, I don't necessarily ask to feel lust. I mean, I can feel perfectly peaceful and then all of a sudden that feeling, that emotion of lust will, will come over me. Um, and obviously, like everybody's sharing, the key to that is for me to surrender to God and ask Him to be, to take that from me. Um, but the other thing I need to do is I need to take further action. And, um, you know, I've heard my sponsor talk a lot about and other guys that the biggest thing to, for him to remove the lust is to be of service to somebody else. And when I was acting out and obsessing about lust, I never thought of another single person, whether it was my wife, my kids, my parents, never, ever, ever thought of their well-being or did anything consciously to be of service to them. And, um, and so when I worked the fourth step, I learned that I'm just a self-centered son of a gun. That's my whole thing. And um, I need to ask God to remove those defects. Um, but for me, the other thing that helps with lust is trying to think of somebody else. and What can I do for somebody else? And, um, and that's when I'll feel some peace and serenity is if I, if I do that. And, um, because I can obsess about lust indefinitely for my whole life, but you know, I think, I don't know if God's plan is for me to struggle with lust for the rest of my life. It might be. But what can I do today to, to be of service to somebody else? Because I think that's really what's important. It's not, it's not whether I'm struggling with lust or not. And, um, so, thanks for letting me share. I am the late Harry Bride. <laughs> <laughs> I just came in, did my best to do it. But, um, for me, there is no recovery without progressive victory over lust. I would like to, for me, I almost apply to myself, I think maybe the victory should be taken out of that without striving. 
to surrender life. I don't think I'm ever going to get a victory. <laughs> I get a day-to-day victory when I can, you know, uh, not give in to dust. Uh, I, I was addicted to sex when I was five years old, through no fault of my own. And the, uh, and that was touching and just seeking consolation. I didn't know where the pleasure came from. <clears throat> But by the time I was seven, I I was into lusting. I was into uh, getting sexual pleasure of thought and fantasy. And I was trying to stop masturbation. And I couldn't. I was only five years old when I was 65 at the essay. And still had to learn to give up the, the lust. I mean, I had surrendered. I was trying to have the pleasure of lust, but be able to control and so I wouldn't act out. The only thing I really thought was wrong was acting out with self or with another. Most of my <clears throat> was acting out with self. And, uh, and I say 60 years is a long time to learn this lesson. And it was only the fellowship that I learned it. I, uh, you know, I, oh, I did so much service work in helping others. My whole life was that, huh? But who did I help? <laughs> Those that I lusted after most. I mean, most of them were like, and the uh, I think the addiction, my addiction is I'm a lustaholic. The acting out is what follows. But the symptom of my disease is acting out. The root of my disease is lust and the pleasure I get out of it. And, and saying if I can only stop and control before I act out, it's all right. I can have that pleasure. I can pleasure myself sexually and do through lust when I mean it. But the acting out for me is when this is carries carries it farther, and it took me a long time to learn. And I never said this before. I mean, I don't know if I'm getting it across, but for my type of sexaholic. There is no recovery. There's no life. Right life without surrendering, <coughs> surrendering lust. My name is Marlon. I'm a recovering sexaholic. And uh, this is the first conference in a long time that I've had to come here uh, with uh, a loss of sobriety. I had lost my sobriety last September after eight years. And um, everything that I've heard here, I agree with. And I, I guess the only thing that I can look back and uh, see as to what I learned from the loss of my sobriety is I can, I can do all of the things with not thinking about the lust. And, uh, but if I don't 
put in positive things, I'm going to lose it. And what I really mean by that is I woke up that morning and I was in lust. And um, I started crossing boundaries and all I had to do was to call somebody. And that would have done it. But I didn't surrender it. I stayed in self-will. And one thing led to another. It doesn't have to be masturbation. And it wasn't, but it's still a loss of sobriety. And I can't tell you the devastation that I felt after losing all that sobriety. And I remember the uh, meetings that I went to that week, I just cried. And the thing that was so clear to me is how my inner peace and surrender was completely destroyed because I was just like a, uh, a ping pong game inside. In other words, I'll, I'll lie, I won't tell anybody, how could I do this? What did I do? Any sense of peacefulness that I had was completely down the tubes. So true sobriety for me is watching my boundaries, uh, surrendering it, calling somebody, putting all of the tools to work in my life. And I didn't do it then. And uh, so I learned a valuable lesson. And that's why I need to be here at this conference. And I need to hear other people talk about uh, what true sobriety is. So thanks. Uh, hi, I'm Bill. I'm sexolic. Hi. Um, yeah, like um, I'm sorry, I missed the panel. I was actually at another meeting. Um, but uh, I, I, actually, I do really like this topic, and uh, for me, it's been uh, a kind of a really cool personal thing. When when I kind of initially got sober and first came to SA, um, uh, I had all that sort of you know kind of real kind of sort of enthusiasm and sort of uh, and this kind of stuff, and it was like uh, like a real big kind of discovery reading the white book. There's only me and another guy as well in in, uh, in England. And it was kind of like yeah, there's, there's one story where it's got sort of Roy and another guy in it, and, it's, and yeah, it's got sort of a young guy and an old guy, and I was with an old guy and, and this kind of stuff, and it was really kind of exciting. Um, and I think uh, just before I went to the, uh, the the conference last year in uh, in Nashville, uh, I got to sort of I I got to a stage in my sobriety where I'd, I'd lost a lot of that kind of enthusiasm. Um, and one of the problems I've sort of got is I'm one of the kind of longest sort of sober in the UK, and I had that. Um, thing where when I was checking in with people then uh, because they had less sobriety I kind of get this sort of well I'm there to help them sort of thing and uh, uh, so I've just got to give out and then, so I kind of go well yeah I'm kind of okay a bit of lust uh, but uh, pretty much okay and how are you you know and that was sort of my kind of checking in uh, and uh, and uh, it was just a great way to isolate and um, and yeah and I was getting kind of lust kind of coming into my life and that kind of stuff and I was actually sort of starting to feel much more kind of isolated from the fellowship there's that uh, uh, and also, I, I kind of learned how to manipulate my sponsor as well, which is quite good. Um, and uh, I, I work in advertising, and my sponsor works in advertising as well. And, and it would sort of, I'd sort of ring him up and go, right, and it would sort of say, well, yes, uh, not too bad, uh, you know, on the, on the last front and this sort of stuff, but uh, anyway, what about advertising? And they would sort of, you know, have a, a massive conversation about advertising, but then, you know, with only sort of, yeah, 30 seconds about, uh, about recovering stuff. And um, anyway. I went to the uh, the national conference, and uh, uh, I mean, 
one thing I really get uh, is that sort of uh, at the conferences here, I really get that kind of desire for for sobriety. Um, and uh, I got actually got a, I got a new sponsor, and um, and I, I said to him one thing: I want to work on kind of better uh, victory over lust and stuff. Um, and uh, that, I mean, I have been uh, working, in, and it's uh, much better. And I have, and I find actually very very sort of simple things work. Like uh, one of my kind of big problems is when I'm driving in the car, and um, uh, it's like I'm almost kind of like habituated, you know, like I sit in a car seat and it's like, a, a, and my kind of brain says, right, time to start lusting. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things I find is that I don't always have to ring another sexaholic because sometimes, like, during a working day, you know, there aren't any sexaholics around, but sometimes I just ring up another human being and, and, uh, and they say, oh, how's it going? It's just that, just that kind of connection seems to do it for me. Um, and uh, one of the one of the big problems I have is is uh, is isolation. I'm kind of like it's like every part of my sort of brain is kind of geared around isolating, um, and, it, and it really doesn't do me any good. And uh, also another thing I sort of realised, um, I've actually I spent the week with uh, with a friend over from England with you sort of going around and and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I've I've often had this sort of fancy about marriage. I'm not actually, I'm not gay and I'm not married to anything, but, um, but I've had this sort of fancy about sort of about married life and. Um, uh, being with this, with this chap, uh, we've been so, I suppose, quite sort of, you know, kind of intimate in, in that, uh, you know, he's been able to see sort of how I really live my life and, and I've been able to see that. And, uh, he's got with a lot of criticism for me, actually. <laughs> which, uh, so thinking, well, maybe that's what where I'd like is like, uh, continuous sort of inventory taking. Um, but anyway, can people complain about that, then? But, uh, um, that's it, thanks. My name is Scott, a sexaholic from Portland, Oregon. And uh, I wanted to thank the panel in this meeting, which I view as kind of the whole basis for what recovery is about, I guess. But I also wanted to say uh, uh, I uh, would like to speak out a little bit in defense of technical sobriety. And the reason I say that is when I came to this fellowship uh, quite a few years ago, I was concerned about my behavior. I was scared to death about what I was doing, the boundaries I was crossing for me personally, and the promises I couldn't keep to myself. When I walked in the door, uh, I didn't know what lust was. I didn't appreciate that, but I did know what scared me to death. And I think that technical sobriety for me was a first step, just like it says in the back of the, uh, excuse me, not to be confused with step one of the 12 steps, but in the back of our book under Overcoming Lust and Temptation, I think the very first item there is stop practicing the addiction in, uh, in any of its forms. And I had to do that. It wasn't until after I did that that I even knew what lust was. You know, so it's, uh, uh, I have a great regard for anybody who is able to achieve technical sobriety as a, uh, as a first point. I don't look at it as, um, uh, as what I would like to do for the rest of my life that I do. Uh, I don't want to speak too much about progressive victory, except to say that, uh, um, uh, an analogy I've come to see in my own life is that I, I've had periods where it almost seems like the obsession is lifted from me, but I know it isn't. And the analogy I tend to think of that way is uh, like what some of the articles talk about in treatment of uh, AIDS and HIV, how with some of the drug cocktails that they can drive the virus to the point that it is undetectable by normal blood tests or whatever. And that's kind of how it is I, I've come to believe with me and lust. That it's always going to be there, you know. And the progressive victory is an ongoing challenge for me, but always in the background, it's there. You know that that potential uh, uh, 
never leaves me. I guess that's what makes me a lustaholic. Thanks. Hi, I'm David, sexaholic. Hi, David. Uh, the sharing uh, during this time has really uh, deeply affected me. Uh, I've been in the program a few years. I uh, was married for 15 years. During the time I was married, uh, I was able to not act out um, uh, against my wife, I should say. I remained, a, I had a, uh, she was the only woman that I ever was with. Um, I conquered uh, masturbation about four years ago. I had three years of sobriety uh, up until this past summer when uh, my wife and I divorced. Uh, the most difficult thing for me is to admit that I'm a lustaholic. Uh, sitting here today, um, I have to admit that my biggest issue is being a lustaholic. I lust. I don't act out. Um, as I say, it's not sex. For me, it's lust. There's something deep within my brain that has this desire. Um, I can't, I can't figure it out. But it's, it's killing me. It's basically killing me. Uh, I don't act out upon it, but I, but I obsess about it. It gets stuck in my, my mind. Uh, and I can't get the thoughts out of my mind. And it ends up translating into my body. And uh, my body starts burning as a result of my lustful thoughts. And it gets more and more power. And it thinks that it's going to, you know, it, it's going to... There's never any relief. There's nothing ever, anything good that comes out of it. The only re end result is pain. But I can't stop. And uh, I just needed to kind of admit that uh, in a verbal manner. And uh, hopefully... Uh, I can have some victory over that. Thank you. My name's Ray. I'm a psychologist from Oakland. Um, I've been in the program since uh, June 21st, 1998, and uh, uh, up until August of this year, I had a little over two years of sobriety, uh, I think technical sobriety. Um, I was playing little games with... Uh, you know, with my sobriety, um, up until the point where, where I acted out. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was all, all of the smart guy stuff. You know, well, I've got some recovery now. I, um, uh, I, I have all these wonderful tools to keep me from masturbating. I know, you know, like I can look at pornography on the internet for five minutes. You know, if I don't do any more than that, then it won't affect me. I can, you know, sort of play with myself a little bit, you know, but not actually masturbate. Uh, and I'll still be sober and, you know, I can sort of manage and enjoy my lust. Um, but what I discovered, uh, you know, this is not to say that I wasn't making progress. I stopped having affairs. Uh, I had stopped masturbating. Uh, I had stopped a lot of stuff that I had been, you know, just wallowing in for years uh, in my marriage but still you know there was something uh, you know in terms of this victory over lust that I needed to go further and um, at any rate what I discovered was um, 
you know, what the big book says is that, uh, you know, I am a sexaholic, and I sort of didn't get the analogy between this and alcoholism, you know, where if I take in a little bit of lust, you know, my mind says, well, I can take in a little bit of lust. My body says, once I take in a little bit, I want more. And uh, I never got that until this summer, and now I, I get it. And so, um, you know, I wasn't, I was devastated by, uh, you know, tossing away two years of sobriety. And uh, it was difficult to go back to my groups uh, that I go to and say, you know, I blew it. Uh, uh, giving up, you know, telling my sponsees that I had... Uh, you know, couldn't be their sponsor anymore. Um, but I did learn uh, that I have to surrender my lust, and that I can't, I can't play with it, and I can't, I certainly can't allow it to come in and sort of revel in it. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, lust is always going to come to me. But it's what I do once it comes uh, that makes all the difference. If I go, yeah, wow, you know, maybe I should run with this for a few minutes. I'm going down that road that I don't want to go down, uh, which is going to lead to another episode of acting out, most likely. Um, if I say, okay, here it is, I need to surrender this, then... I'm going to be a lot better off. And to be perfectly honest, I feel so much more serene and so much more sober and so much more happy. And my life is so much more better. My relationships are so much more better since that episode. Because I think, you know, that there was a certain level of denial that I hadn't gotten past uh, in my program. Uh so although I'm not happy about the acting out, it's helped me renew uh, my commitment to the program and to my recovery, and uh, I think I'm a lot better off uh, for it. So, you know, the only advice I can say is, you know, work a program, and if lust comes in, which it inevitably will, uh, because I think we all have, so, you know, just years and years of experience with it. Um, you do need to surrender it as soon as possible. Uh, the sooner I give it away, uh, the better, the quicker I can get back to living my life. Um, the longer I let it hang around, you know, and this is measured in anything from seconds to, to minutes, uh, the more trouble I'm in. Thanks. Okay, that is uh, all the time that we have for sharing for this meeting. Anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. This is a non an anonymous program, so please keep the name and number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA or SNON to yourself. What we say here, let it stay here. Yeah. After a moment of silent meditation, will you join me in closing with the third step prayer? I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. 
please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.